the adulation of man in the purpose-driven life. This is the title for this message where Rick Warren exalts man and degrades the very nature of God. It is horrendously an evil empire of deceit and we have to analyze it because many millions are being deceived across the globe. An overview of what he does is that he debases God to be a doting person longing to have a relationship with mankind. And then he advises the groups that come into the movement that they should gather in small groups and that they should review week by week pages of his book. He has displaced the Bible. He said in his writings, the last thing many believers need today is another Bible study. But what they need, according to him, is that people should be meeting to read chapters of his book. He is another approach to what Jesus Christ said, the way that leads to destruction. He is a very wide path leading to destruction. His book and his movement is a worldwide movement. In the first few years of the movement, his book had sold over 18 million copies. On the webpage, they boast quotation that it is miracle awakening over 12,000 churches from all 50 states and 19 countries have now participated in the 40 days of purpose. And then they go on to claim many of these churches have reported it was the most transforming event in their congregation's history. As we speak, they are preparing for a massive campaign right across Australia. The churches that signed up for the Australian 40 Days of Purpose had to sign up before the 31st of July and three months was needed so that they could be indoctrinated into the mindsets of Rick Warren and be prepared for what is to start next month in November in Australia. So we have this movement going across the world. The ministry runs also a web page that is called pastors.com and Rick Warren boasts on this about his ministry toolbox. He says, for example, on the webpage, as pastors, 
were good at ministering to those in needs, but there are also times when we need support. In this issue, we look at the importance of building fellowships and friendships with pastors who understand what we're going through. One way to start is checking out newpastors.com, a place to hang out with ministry leaders. Start your own blog, see other people's postings, join in groups, and more. And so an internet webpage, pastors.com, is where you can be deceived and led into all types of strange things from his toolbox. Um, And then you have to pay and subscribe to get on to the webpage and become part of all of this. And then when you purchase materials, he tells you where the money goes. He says, our purpose to encourage pastors, ministers, and church leaders with tools and resources for healthy, growing churches. Every resource you purchase helps provide free resources to over 1.5 million pastors and lay pastors in third world countries. God has allowed us through your support to reach 117 different countries and all seven continents. The movement has become a global empire. Warren State's quotation, God is a global God. Much of the world already thinks globally. The largest media and business conglomerates are all multinational. Get a globe or a map Pray for nations by name. The Bible says, and then he gives a quotation, if you ask me, I will give you the nations and all peoples on the earth will be yours. He misappropriates the beautiful Psalm 2, which is spoken to the Lord's anointed Christ in Psalm 2. The inheritance of the nations being given to Christ. It's not given to Rick Warren or to any mega church building its business. But this is the typical of Rick Warren twisting scripture. And then we see that the business world does recognize Rick Warren and his conglomerate for making money and for building his empire. The well-known Forbes magazine had a headline on their webpage. The headline ran, Christian Capitalism, Mega Churches, Mega Businesses. And then they went on to state, Forbes magazine, maybe church aren't so different from corporations. Pastor Rick Warren, who founded Saddleback Church in Lake Forest, California in 1980, has deftly used technology as well as marketing to spread his message. No doubt churches have learned some valuable lessons from corporations. Now maybe they can teach businesses a thing or two. Companies would certainly appreciate having an army of unpaid, loyal volunteers. So even the business world and Forbes magazine recognized how deftly Warren has used his mega 
business campaign. The empire goes on with not only millions upon millions of copies of his books sold, but the book translated into other languages and using horrific so-called translations like the message, which is a mystical, horrendous twisting of the word of God. It's hard to find a more blasphemous thing that calls itself the Bible than the message Bible. And other translations that are corruptions of the very written word of God. But so it is with the translations in other countries of the world where they have found uh, in other languages. I get letters from Cameroon and from some of the African countries that have been inundated by this thing as well, whereby their message is going out in horrendous translations in these countries. Rick Warren bringing his debased form of Christianity to different parts of the world. It is for us to analyze this horrendous movement. We will see that the book and the movement is based on 40 chapters that the book lays out, 40 chapters that explain what they claim are the five purposes of a person's life. So it's all built, and we find this in the book on page 136, on five purposes, the deepest needs uh, that a person has. They say on page 138, quotation, he, God, created the church to meet your five deepest needs. A purpose to live for, a people to live with, principles to live by, a profession to be lived out, and power to live on. There is no other place on earth where you can find all five of these benefits in one place. And so these five deepest needs of, of a man are to be found in the church. What in fact is man's deepest need? Man's deepest need is to know that he is dead and trespasses and sins and that he needs because of that the righteousness of Christ and the forgiveness from God because of Christ's perfect sacrifice. That is the deepest need. These so-called manufactured needs and focusing on the church as the only place where they can be found is what Warren magnifies. The church is to glorify Christ that he may be confessed as Lord to the glory of God the Father. God does everything for his own glory and not for man's sake. But Warren has it always backwards. 
And even in his list of five deepest needs, he does not give the need to know that you're spiritually dead and that you need redemption. That is not mentioned. But he exalts the church as the place to meet your needs. Now it is interesting that that is the exact things that the cults do. The Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons, the Way International, they all have people believing in their church. That's what churches, that's what cults do. They exalt their church. That's what the Catholic Church does. It gets people to look to the church. The Catholic Church says no one can have God as father who does not have the church as mother. Paragraph 181 of the New Catechism. They look to the church. What cults do, what the Catholic Church does, Rick Warren does, he focuses on the church to meet your needs. Well, what he says are your needs, which are not really your needs, because he does not emphasize the very first one, the need of salvation for a person who is a convicted sinner. And so it is that he has a totally wrong purpose. The church is to point people to Christ, to preach who he is, to exalt Christ Jesus, to exalt his written word as the absolute basis of truth, and that God would be glorified in the salvation of souls. It is not focused on itself. It is not focused on bringing people to submission to the church as ways of meeting your needs. The church, a true church, points people to Christ. And the, the scriptures are clear. The law is preached, and particularly in the Apostle Paul, but also so many other places in scripture, and right through the Old Testament, the law was magnified so the people could be convicted that they were sinners and could not keep the law. And the Apostle Paul summarizes, he says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it said to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. The law is preached so that we see we are dead in sins and we become guilty. We see that we need redemption. We need salvation that is in Christ alone. This is necessary. Wick Warren speaks about guilt, but he, he defines it differently. On page 27, going on to page 28, he says the following. Many people are driven by guilt. Guilt-driven pe people are manipulated by memories. They allow their past to control their future. They often unconsciously punish themselves by sabotaging their own success. So guilt is sabotaging your own success, so you're not supposed to be guilty. 
Uh, you're not supposed to feel bad before God's law or anything because it's sabotaging your own success. And so it's not that you may know that you're a sinner and that you have a sin nature and that you need the righteousness of Christ. No. This pop psychology that sin is defined as sabotaging your own success. And then he continues with his bogus deceitfulness. He says on page 34, God won't ask about your religious background or your doctrinal views. The only thing that will matter is, did you accept what Jesus did for you and did you learn to love and trust him? Page 37, if you learn to love and trust God's Son, Jesus, you will be invited to spend the rest of eternity with him. On the other hand, if you reject his love, forgiveness, and salvation, you will spend eternity apart from God forever. So all you have to do is to learn to love and trust Jesus. But the reason is not given why you learn to love and trust Jesus. Warren never points out that people are sinners before God, needing salvation. Learn to love and trust Jesus, but you've got to Why? Because you're a sinner. Because you have a sin nature. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. That's why we learn to love and trust Jesus. Not somehow telling people to learn and love God. Jesus, because, and no, no reason given because of human sin nature and personal sin. And telling them that if they learn to love Jesus, they will spend all eternity with God. These lies permeate his book and his whole movement. He gets worse as he proceeds. Page 58 says, real life begins by committing yourself completely to Jesus Christ. If you are not sure you have done this, all you need to do is receive and believe. The Bible promises to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Will you accept this offer? He gives not too bad of a translation of John 1.24, which is quite um, amazing for the book because most of the translations are not as good as that one. But that's not too bad of a translation of John 1.24. Will you just accept this offer? He does not continue with the word of God. Verse 13, 1 John which were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. It's you were born, it's not family, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, it's not emotionalism. It's not of the will of man, it's not man deciding, it's the will of God. He does not say that. 
That is typical of Armenian churches. You get Armenian tracts and they quote 1 John 1.12, but never 1.13, because that wipes them out, <laughs> not of the will of man. They're telling you it is of man's will. Rick Warren, again, twists scripture to his own intent that he would fill you with fuzzy feelings that you have received without telling you it's not of the will of man, but God. He's ignored what is lethal to salvation, that if you think you can save yourself and just receive without the grace of God, you have deceived yourself and you're still dead in sins. He has deleted the gospel from his message. And then he says, real life begins by committing yourself. Is that where life begins, by committing yourself? Real life begins for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It begins with God. His choosing those who are his own. Before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1.4. Romans 8, and by Romans 9, I will have mercy on those whom I will have mercy, compassion on those will I have, have compassion. So it's not of him that willeth or him that runneth, but God who shows mercy. It's God who shows mercy. It's not beginning with man committing himself. You can do all the commitment in your, and it doesn't add to anything. It is exalting man that he can commit himself to Jesus Christ. It's how God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That's where real life begins. He says on page 58 going into 59, what you're to do is first believe. First believe Believe God loves you and made you for his purposes. Believe you're not an accident. Believe that you are made to last forever. Believe God has chosen you to have a relationship with Jesus who died on the cross for you. Believe no matter what you have done, God wants to forgive you. Second, receive. Receive Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior. Receive his forgiveness for your sins. Receive his spirit. He will give you the power to fulfill your life purpose. Wherever you're reading this, I invite you to bow your head and quietly whisper the prayer that will change your life for eternity. Jesus, I believe in you. I receive you. Go ahead. If you have sincerely meant that prayer, congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. If you whisper this little prayer, a damning message, a damning lie, it doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what you have done. That attempts to wipe out all the prophets of the Old Testament who showed how horrendous sin is. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and on and on. 
the prophets proclaimed how our God is holy and how horrendous sin is. It does matter, and it shows who we are and how we need God. And it attempts to obliterate what Christ Jesus said, the heart is wicked and totally, but that's Jeremiah, but Christ said what comes out of the human heart is is wickedness, adulteries, lasciviousness, and every evil comes out of the human heart. It, it's no place to start off with. This is magnifying man and, and making as if his sinful condition is of no avail, is no importance. It doesn't matter what you have done. It does matter what you have done. It matters that we are sinners before the all-holy God. And so, with one sweeping lie, he insults the very message of Christ Jesus, insults the message of the prophets and of the apostles in the New Testament. He has swept aside the very means by which people are brought into salvation. And then he outrageously says, welcome to the family of God. All we can say to him was what Christ said in his days to the scribes and Pharisees, woe unto you for ye shut up the kingdom of God against men. If this is what you teach people, you are damning them. That's how serious is this thing that has gone forth from California across the world, this horrific movement. The Apostle Paul says, Though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel of which you have preached to you, let him be accursed. It is to say to people in the Rick Warren movement, that this is dangerous. You cannot support Rick Warren or have him come to your church or take part and hope that there's, no, there's going to be no consequences. The scripture says that anyone who gives a false gospel, let him be accursed of God. You have to pay for this sin This is really serious. I thank God that there are some who listen. I just got a telephone call last week and I spoke to a pastor in New York. I won't give his name, but he had gone into the Rick Warren thing and now he has changed and he was asking me how to preach grace for Reformation Sunday. And I thank God. He had this... this he didn't disavowed any friendship with me before. He wanted nothing more to do with me. It was no more to email him or call him. And then he has now repented and changed. Praise God. But we have to get the message out because there's many churches running this way and we've got to minister to these churches and come alongside people who are in these churches so that they do not be deceived. Uh, the book states early on in page 17 that the book is not about you. 
the reader. Yet if you go through the book, you find that it's mostly about you. He keeps on emphasizing the most common phrase is, is you, right the way through the whole book. For example, page 41, the way you see your life shapes your life. How you define life determines your destiny. Page 242, you are a bundle of incredible abilities, an amazing creation of God. Part of the church's responsibility is to identify and release your abilities of serving God. Page 249, the best way your life is to serve God is to find out your shape. You do this, you must discover your shape. You must learn to accept and enjoy it and then to develop it to the fullest potential. You've got to find out your shape and who your true self is. This idea to find out your true self. Uh, I had lived in Trinidad and was surrounded by Hindus and I had studied Hinduism because many of my neighbors in Trinidad were Hindus and I wanted to see what they were into. Uh, you can still, you can find many Hindu web pages and you go on the Hindu web pages and you find that they're saying the same thing. You've got to, uh, you've got to find your own true self. Quoting from a Hindu web page, by understanding your true self and by coming to know one's undying soul, one arrives at the knowledge of Brahman itself. You arrive at the deep, the deep mystery of Brahman, one of the Hindu gods, by discovering your true self. <laughs> so so it's, not, it's not new on the earth. Satan is already in Hinduism as the same idea. So did Carl Jung, the famous man in you know, psychology, the messed up world of Carl Jung. He said, discover your inner power, your fullest potential. Only the man who consciously ascends the power of inner voice becomes a personality. You know, Carl Jung thought the same way. The Roman Church thinks the same way. It says in Gaudium et Spes, Vatican II, document number 14, when he's drawn to think about his real self, he turns to those deep recesses of his own being where God who probes the heart awaits him and where he decides his own destiny in the sight of God. You think of your own true self and then you look into your heart and you decide your own destiny. This is what Hinduism, what Carl Jung, and what Romanism thinks, that they agree with Warren. But this is not scripture. This is a debasing of what scripture says to becoming horrendous speaking against the very word of God. The scripture tells you about your true self. Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusted in man and that maketh, and maketh the flesh his arm, whose heart is departed from the Lord. Cursed be the man, scripture says, who trusts in his own true self. <laughs> this, is, this is what scripture thinks, what God thinks. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. But 
Rick Warren is big into this it, um, self-adulation of the inner true self. He goes on to continue to glorify man. Page 75, you only bring God in judgment, enjoyment by being you. Anytime you reject any part of yourself, you are rejecting God's wisdom and sovereignty in creating you. When you're sleeping, God gazes at you with love because you were his idea. He loves you as if you were the only person on earth. Oh, man. <laughs> Can it get worse? It does get worse. And I, I, I even, I hate to read this because this is really where it gets worse. Page 79. If you want to know how much you matter to God, look at Christ with his arms outstretched on the cross, saying, I love you this much. I'd rather die than live without you. Christ saying, I'd rather die than live without you. If you put those exact words, I love you this much, I'd rather die than live without you, into Google, you know, put them in inverted commas and do a search. You find the words go back to the Backstreet Boys, a rock group, <laughs> singing about their love, you know. That, that's, where the, that's where the word started. And to put them in the mouth of Christ, that Christ is dependent on man, that he, he would prefer to die than be without man. That's not God. He's not a God-man if he's depending on man so that he could live. This is horrendous. Horrendous. That people could say this the only thing I can think of is, quote, scripture, he opened his mouth to blaspheme against God. He blasphemed his name. That's what Warren is doing. He's attempting to debase the person of Christ Jesus, the God-man. It is to focus back on the purpose of God. What was the purpose of Christ sacrificing his dying on the cross with his arms outstretched. What was the purpose? Read in Romans chapter 3. It tells you in verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption is in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on in verse 26, that God may be just and the justifier of him that believeth on Jesus. It's that God may show himself to be just. He is holy. And he's the one who justifies. It proclaims the nature of God and it shows the perfection of Christ Jesus' sacrifice. How perfect it was. That God may be just and the justifier. That is the purpose of God. And not this horrendous blasphemy of this man purporting to be Christian and treading underfoot the very person of Jesus Christ or attempting to tread underfoot the person of Jesus Christ it is that we have to see that in face of this horrendous blasphemy of Rick Warren and debased 
message again and again. We've got to see who we are before the all-holy God, as scripture shows us. There is none righteous, no, not one. To come to the place where we look to God for salvation and look to him alone. And we look to the person of Christ Jesus and we cry out that we may be convicted that we are sinners, that we may have faith to trust Christ Jesus. And God gloriously answers our prayer. to show us that we are his own and save us gloriously in Christ. The gospel is needed as we see these horrendous lies. We're justified freely by his grace. By grace we have saved through faith and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It is, this is the message we have to give and that self-salvation whether it's in some sort of cult or in Rick Warren is a damning message it is more damning in Warren than the cults because the cults are sort of static and they're there and they don't go away and except for the Jehovah Witnesses they, you know, they don't increase that much. The Jehovah Witness is an exception in wickedness. But this cult of Rick Warren continues to grow. And it's for us as Bible believers and as Bereans to make a stand and to see how horrendous it is and to warn people at the present day. We find, and if you go on the internet, it's very easy to find, that Catholic churches invite Rick Warren's purpose-driven in life, and they love to do it because it focuses people back on church, and that's where their mind is too. And it gets people to jump through more hoops, and they specialize in giving you things to do. So if you have more things to do, we'll do the 40 days of purpose. So Catholic churches love to join in the purpose of life. So do the Mormon churches. Interesting that uh, another cult likes Rick Warren's stuff. The Mormon churches agree with the purpose-driven life. And then Warren goes on to quote from the Catholic mystics and to, to say how important they are. He, he uh, gives glowing comments about Brother Lawrence and his helpful ideas and his breath prayers, and recommends breath prayers. Breath prayers are small syllables and things that you say, like a mantra, like the Hindus had. And you keep repeating these words so that you get into a sort of a trance or a mystical experience. You know, these are uh, the things that Warren uh, holds up before you as he talks about Brother Lawrence. And then he talks about Madame Guillaume, the famous Catholic mystic, and approves of her. The famous mystic John of the Cross and his way of, you know, emotionalism and trying to reach direct contact with God through mystical ways. He is exalted in Rick Warren's book on page 108. And then the most lethal and dangerous of all that to my 
uh, analysis, and I have gone into these people, is Henri Nouel from Canada, who died some years ago. He was most deceptive. He is exalted and, and uh, giving glowing praise on page 269 to 270. So is Mother Teresa of Calcutta. And all of these Catholic mystics. So it is that the Rick Warren movement has been a stepping stone into the emerging church movement. The emerging church movement is one of the more horrendous things, like Rick Warren, that has infiltrated the world. We have DVDs, and I have three more coming out very soon. You check our webpage, we should have them in about a month, professionally done, uh, where I gave a, three addresses in London at Metropolitan Tabernacle. They, they saw how it was devastating England, Scotland, Wales, and all of Europe, the emerging church. An American invention, mystical contact with God, and Warren leads people, of course, praises the, the emerging church movement. We have to be conscious of this whole movement. I would ask you as warriors for the faith and as Bereans that you find the DVDs that I have done of this on YouTube. If you go on youtube.com, you will find that we have many, many uh, DVDs. The last count was 79 DVDs. Some of them are in other languages besides in English on YouTube. If you put in Richard Bennett or Berean Beacon, you will find my DVDs. But the ones on this one on Rick Warren, it's going out across Australia now because people in Australia are emailing the link to other people in Australia. And I thank God I get interesting emails from Australia that people are telling people about the DVD in Australia. But back here in California, this is where the blight started from. How many people are you warning in California by email and giving them the link to where I explain this on a DVD on the internet? People need to hear this message. It's out there, and all you've got to do is cut and paste the link and email it to somebody. And they can click on it and see the whole presentation from beginning to end. So we have to show this and then show the emerging church because Warren, Warren endorses the emerging church. And we've got to show the DVDs on that I had already done three before the last three. I already have some up there already. The Voices of the Emerging Church and Catholic Mysticism and the Emerging Church. There are two DVDs already on YouTube. They're also on Google and some of the other web pages, so they're easy to find if you do a search for them. This is what we have before us. We have a movement that is horrendously evil and it is been quite successful in human terms across the world and it is for us to show that God's power is greater 
and that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation and that there are warriors in the church who are contending for the faith. It wasn't simply there was a commandment given by Jude, but that there are people obeying that commandment and we are contending for the faith and that we see that Christ is to be exalted and not man. So with some urgency I plead with you to be warriors in this regard and expose this horrendous movement and all the side things that go with it. The most horrendous being the purpose-driven life as it exalts and leads people into the emerging church movement. I mentioned this morning, and I should mention it here as we close, how lethal has been C.S. Lewis's uh, the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe you know, and Ashlon being depicted as Christ and on and on and made into DVDs and movies and you find it in Walmart and other places and, and Tokyo and these are stepping stones into the occult as well leading to the emerging church and leading to false mysticism and people who teach their children C.S. Lewis. He was a highway into Romanism. And we have a, an article which many people download from our webpage about C.S. Lewis. I would urge you to be aware because people who are you know, homeschooling and all often want to bring their, their children into good Christian literature, they say, and they introduce people to C.S. Lewis as one of the best writers of the English language, a great master of the English language, but a horrendous pathway into papacy and papal doctrine. So I just urge you to do that and in all things to contend for the faith that Christ may be glorified and souls saved to the praise and glory of his grace. Amen and amen. Praise God.